0: Welcome to A New Testament Journey. We'll have our Bible reading followed by our devotional. Matthew 5 Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfil them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore... Anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble... Gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfil to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people... What are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect.
1: Oh, the awesomeness of these phrases. Jesus calls good a lot of things I like to keep at arm's length. He says it's a glorious thing to feel the inadequacy of spiritual poverty to be racked with the sorrow of mourning, to constantly be feeling like you're wanting and needing more. I don't want any of those things. I want to sit pretty and smile smugly and be patted gently on the shoulder by person after person. But Jesus seems to be saying that is not how the kingdom works. The rich and succulent pleasures of the kingdom are reserved for those who have struggled and strained and reached the end of themselves. The kingdom is for the humble. For those who spend their life on their knees, knowing that their help comes not from themselves, but flows from their king. As we have said already, the dove of the kingdom comes after the flood of repentance. And after the flood and the dove, there comes the voice from above. Our king wants us to do what he says. It's actually a bit embarrassing how strong Jesus is on this point. Jesus is extraordinarily clear. He knows better than us and the being in his kingdom mandates us trusting him more than we trust ourselves. Will we trust Jesus that he knows better? He knows life better than we do. Will we trust Jesus that he knows us better than we do? And will we trust Jesus that his wisdom for life is better than any wisdom we could find anywhere else? I fear that some of us have seen Jesus a bit like a healer king or a sugar daddy king who's there to fix our problems and give us some nice perks. Jesus is indeed an immensely generous and powerful king. But what Matthew particularly wants us to realise is that Jesus is a philosopher king. Jesus is a rabbi king who demands that his followers actually follow the way of his wisdom. So how did this philosopher king sum up the wisdom of his kingdom? Perhaps surprisingly, it's about quality relationships. How we treat those around us is central to the wisdom of Jesus. The wisdom of Jesus exerts extensive energy on reconciling ourselves to our family. It dreams dreams about carrying others' burdens. It keeps oaths. It becomes a city on a hill for the sake of others. Keeping oaths isn't sexy. Praying for annoying people isn't glamorous. But these are what Jesus' wisdom does. If you are truly mourning, if you truly know your spiritual poverty, then you will rush into Jesus's definition of wisdom because you will see that his blessing is there. And Jesus's blessing trumps your best ideas every day of every week. Here's a question for reflection. If you obeyed everything Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, do you think you'd be happy?
0: We pray God's word bears fruit in your life. For all the information about the New Testament journey, head to www.thenewtestamentjourney.net.